Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career and candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today, I hope you're ready because I have brought a bundle of energy into here, our studio, <laughs> as a guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about him. He was going to go yeehaw. Oh, I'm still God. waiting for that. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs> I think this is going to be a fun show, I'm pretty sure. So today I want to introduce George Henley, founder and president of the Speakers Academy, a company that helps business leaders build skills and find courage to become confident and competent as speakers. He is the recipient of numerous National Speakers Association and International Coach Federation Awards, which I will soon be a part of. I'm so excited. And shares his experience with his clients and with the world through his writing and speaking. Today, he joins us to discuss his tips for leaders to help them communicate confidently and clearly with those they lead. I'm so pumped about you being in the studio today. <laughs> well, thank you, Casey. <laughs> I, I am... Pumped, too. <laughs> sort of like Arnold, you know, pump you up. There you go. <laughs> so you and I met through a mutual friend. Correct. I always like to kind of make those connections because sure. I want people to learn to look for those connections. Sure. Um, Sean McBride, That's he's right. introduced me to a lot of wonderful people. Um, and originally I met you because I was on your podcast. That is correct. And that was a lot of fun. Good. I think I left that podcast with the biggest head because of you guys. I mean, y'all were just like so complimentary because uh, your podcast was Influencers of Tomorrow. That's right. And you guys were just so good. And I watched so many other episodes with your guests and you just... Thank you. And I think that really leads into the topic today about building confidence. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I, I think so. I want to just dive right in because good. after many years of speaking and taking on speaking roles yourself, mm -hmm. you're certainly an expert on speaking. You're very confident. I can tell that. I know <laughs> that. I've had many conversations with you. But has it always been that way for you, or was there a time you were afraid to speak publicly? Well, can I go way back and really kind of... Take, like 100 years? Well, not quite that far. <laughs> a, a good ways okay, back, Okay, okay. Yes, you may. I was in the middle of five kids. I had two older okay. sisters, one younger sister. And those three girls, especially the two older, really picked on me for one primary reason. Because as a child, I stuttered. I couldn't, really? that's correct. I could not get words out. I had problems with pronunciation and it really was a, a stumbling block for me in light of being able to communicate, especially in having any confidence in doing it. But God bless my wonderful mother. She was so patient and kind and understanding. She really coached me, if you will, through the growth process and helped me learn how to slowly but surely slow down and speak succinctly and get my words out in such a way that I could be understood. And through the years and a lot of practice with a lot of great teachers and coaches of my own, I think I've improved a little bit. Maybe just a lot. <laughs> so that blows my mind because I've mm. heard you speak today mm. and I never would have known that's where it started for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and 
I, I just think so many people have different kinds of backgrounds mm -hmm. that have given them um, fear. And, and definitely, I had plenty of that in the early days. I remember my high school speech class and Mrs. Clemens and the things that I went through in that class, overcoming some of my early fears to stand in front of my classmates and be able to deliver something that resembled a speech at that point in time. So I've, again, taken a lot of things on my own mm -hmm. that have helped me build and develop experience and wisdom and a little courage and confidence along the way. That's amazing. Do you have to still work at that, or do you feel like you've completely eliminated that stutter? I, I am so glad you brought that up because I oftentimes tell people confidence is like a muscle. Mm -hmm. And if you're not exercising a muscle, what happens? You know, as an athlete of sorts, if you're not exercising mm -hmm. muscles, they shrink. They don't have not just the volume, they don't have the elasticity, they don't have yep. the, the quality of being able to perform when it's time to perform, and confidence is exactly the same way. I've, I've just talked to a young man recently, he said, you know, I really had a lot of confidence at one point, but it's like it's gone. And I said, I can completely understand, simply again, because either we're using it or we're losing it. And we have to constantly be aware of what we're doing today to build skill and confidence in all of these arenas. That's amazing. What do you think you do to practice confidence on a daily basis? Well, I interact with great people like you. Oh, stop. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> but, you know, I do a variety of things. In 1991, I was going through a really rough period in my life, mm -hmm. and I had sort of transitioned out of what I thought was going to be a, a lifetime career. Everything just imploded. My world just went to heck in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. and, and I was really in a bad place, and I really became depressed. And I went through some counseling sessions, but I picked up a great book by a guy by the name of Shad Helmstetter. Shad Helmstetter helped me understand the power of affirmations mm. and I literally did exactly what he suggested which was build my own cassette affirmation tape and I put this together out of the back of his book and I listened to that thing it I still have it by the way and this but was, do you have a cassette player uh, yes as a matter of fact <laughs> I do I do as a matter of fact I have I have uh, the the Sony Walkman that I still use <laughs> That's amazing. I know it's amazing. <laughs> the old, ar old architect from the point of view of technology. But I, I listened to that thing every single time. If I was in my vehicle going someplace and nobody was with me, pops in the tape, listen and listen and listen, and let those words really saturate my mind. Because we become what we think about. Yep. And if we're thinking negative things, if we're confessing quietly, subconsciously negative things, we will become negative, fearful, doubtful, hesitant, yes. you name it. So it's build it up or lose it. Yeah, we talk a lot about mindset on this podcast mm. because to me, that's the first tool that you need to have. Absolutely. It Absolutely. controls everything else. It does. So yeah. I think that's so important. So what do you think, in your experience, what are three traits of an excellent speaker? Well, I use a variety of different formulas, if you will, little things that help me remember as well as share those with other people. One of those little formulas is what I call the S-A-Y formula, as in say, S-A-Y. Okay. S stands for subject, A stands for audience, 
Y stands for yourself. Know your subject, know your audience, know yourself. If people really have a good grasp of their subject material, if they're really aware of and in tune with their audience, and this may seem like not so significant, but it's actually number one. Mm -hmm. If they really know themselves in light of their strengths, as well as their areas of challenge. If they really know themselves and they're looking for ways to leverage their strengths and then downplay or overcome those areas of weakness, they will become the best you or the best them that they can be. So know your subject, know your audience, know yourself. And I know you're going to get into some things about the interview process, and I love that because I interview people all the time, and I am being interviewed. Mm -hmm. I'm being interviewed as a speaking coach, and people are right. checking. That's right. People <laughs> are checking me out to see, do I want to work with this guy? So I'm going through the interview process on a regular basis. On both sides. On both sides. That's Absolutely. Awesome. On both sides. That's I understand awesome. it. So before we get to that, let's talk a little bit. You wrote an article on your website because mm -hmm. you're an avid blogger called Confidence, How Do You Build It? That stated, as your knowledge and skills grow, your confidence begins to climb. And I think this is very important for any speaker to understand. But and let's talk about how this applies to our audience or our candidates mm -hmm. that are on the job search. What yes. kind of advice can you give them? Well, they have to really see themselves in that job. They're, Whenever I'm going in front of an audience, especially if it's a place that I've never been before, mm -hmm. like we came into here, into the studio, I didn't literally sit in the chair, but I walked in, I got a grasp, a feel for what the place looked like. I want to, in a sense, see what the place is like that I'm going to be in so I can feel comfortable in that. And the same thing goes true with my audience. I will go up on a stage or a platform or just in front of a group of chairs and really look out into an empty room and imagine in my mind all of those chairs being filled with people and seeing them smiling at me, seeing mm -hmm. them clapping, seeing them embracing the things that I say. So I do a lot of visualization. Okay. And that is, for me, very, very powerful because if I see it in my mind before, then it's easy for me to see it in my mind in reality and I start feeling good in advance. Gotcha, gotcha. That's a good advice for them. And especially, you know, one of the things that I really coach my candidates when they are going for an interview with their clients is about not just confidence, but not going in there with a chip on your shoulder. Oh, absolutely. And not going in there desperate for the job. Absolutely. You need to go in there like... And, and not cocky, but you're interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. No, that is the case. And in every job, every company, as you well know, is not right for every candidate. Exactly. And, and they have to have that in their mind. And when I'm being interviewed for the potential of going in and speak to a group, I, I just went through the first interview with one guy earlier this week. And it's a, a group in Houston, and he's really checking out potential speakers mm -hmm. that would come in and speak to his association group. I was beginning to get a feel for him, but also the group as a whole. And in doing that, I was beginning to see, is this a group that I can really do well with? Gotcha. And I mean, honestly, th through my years and years of speaking, there have been a few groups I should have never st stepped in front of to begin with. But did you know that? Did you have a gut feeling b beforehand? Once or twice, yes. And I tended to sort of suppress it. Mm -hmm. Bad mistake. 
bad mistake. And so I've tried to be a lot more careful mm -hmm. since those things have happened because I don't want to go in and fail. I want to go in and succeed. I want to make sure that when I'm done, people go, okay, wow, that was really helpful. And I want to have the feeling that that is what they're feeling at that moment in time. Gotcha. You know, and just to kind of relate this back to recruiting, um, you know, I'm very fortunate as our as is the rest of my team in that just like not every candidate is good for every client, not every recruiter is good for every candidate or every client. And so I think it's so important that we recognize that. And when we know that we're not going to be the right fit for someone, that we're not going to be able to give them our best because something's not clicking. That's right. We need to be willing to pass them to another recruiter. Mm -hmm. And I do that. I'm not going to say all the time, but there have been times that I've done that mm -hmm. simply because at the end of the day, I want what's best for the candidate. And Correct. if I'm not what's best, I need to get them to the person that is going to be what's best. Correct. Same with the client. It, you know, for some reason or another, there may be a reason <laughs> you don't click. Mm -hmm. So pass them on. That's it. May I share a story with you? Yeah, please. I had a client several years ago, and he'd been, he and I had been working together for over a year. And we had a really great relationship, mm -hmm. so much so that he trusted me to turn over someone that he really felt that I would be able to work with as a client of mine. But I went through an interview process with this person, and within, I don't know, the first 15, 20 minutes of our conversation, I could just tell it was not going to be a true clicking win-win for both of us. And after about 35, 40 minutes, I just said to her, I said, you know, I am flattered that you're considering me to coach you, but I don't think I'm going to be the right person to do that. And she, there was this pause, on the phone and she said, oh, okay, well, uh, thank you. And I went, well, thank you for your time and consideration. And when I went back to my current client, who he was just baffled that I would turn away this potential work. Mm -hmm. And I just said to him, look, to me, I could sense and see it was not going to be a good fit and I would not have felt right taking her money and trying to help her when I knew in advance no click, no work. Mm -mm. Gotcha. Don't want to do. Gotcha. Yeah, that that says a lot about you too, though, because a lot, not everybody would act that way. So thank you for being that, sure. having that integrity. So, all right. So going back to you were talking a little bit about getting prepared for your speech mm -hmm. so by visualizing the room mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the audience mm -hmm. and everything mm -hmm. like that. What else goes into preparing for a speech, especially like? How do you get yourself into the right mindset to step in front of a crowd? Mm -hmm. What's well, the largest crowd you've been in front of? Probably a little over a thousand. Okay, that's big. Uh, that's pretty good size. Significant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there are a variety of things that I do. Again, I, I really make sure that I'm in tune with the subject material mm -hmm. that I'm going to be handling, but especially the audience. Because if I don't know the audience well, and I learned something that has helped me immensely through the years. I had a, a large, really rich pharmaceutical company based out of New Jersey that I worked with for a while. And Were you a sales rep? No, 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 no. I was, I was in a coaching Oh, okay. Facility. I was like, and, I did not know this about you. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and one of the things I recognize, I, need, I just need to really immerse myself in their culture. 
Okay. I needed to understand exactly what these people were thinking, what they were doing, what they were challenged by. Mm -hmm. So I asked my contact, I said, can you give me the names of five or six people who will be in the group that I'll be speaking to that I could interview in advance of the presentation? And they said, sure. So they you know, sent an email and we kind of back an email. And then I went through a series of, I think, five or six interviews with these people just to really ask them questions. Mm -hmm. Took a lot of notes to get an idea of what were their true challenges? What were the things that they were doing or not doing? Right. And really understand who they were from a company culture as well as an individual. And the more I did that, Casey, I just felt like I was like almost one of them. And, and, it, and it gave me an identification factor because I started to feel like I know this company. And they would, a couple of people came up and said, how did you know that about us? I said, well, I ask questions and listen. There you and there go. There it is. And, and it's the same process. Someone going on an interview, they need to do as much advanced research as possible. And I just, just can't say emphasize. that again. Say that okay. again. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, there's so many avenues of research mm -hmm. that you can go into today that weren't so easily available years ago. With the internet the way it is, there's again, you can interview, you can dig in, you can research, and you can find little gold nuggets. And you yes. Can, and, and you can pull those things in. And when you're in front of the client for that interview, you can say, I know your company's been going through some great growth. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I'm glad to be a part of this opportunity. Because I am a forward-thinking person. I want to add what I know into the growth experience of this company. Yeah, that's gold right there. Because I, and that's one of the things that, again, as I prep candidates, and I'm, I'm not giving them all the answers, I'm giving them tools that they can use going forward. But I'm like, do research on the company. I send them the LinkedIn profiles for the hiring managers, and I'm like, go Google them. Google is your friend right now, see what you can <laughs> find on them. And there's another little trick I'm gonna share that when you Google, so I can't remember what the first tab says, but the second tab says news. Mm. Google them and click on the news and see if they've been in the news. There you go. And, that will impress them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I went through a, not an interview per se, but just to get to know you with a, a lady that I look towards collaborating with. And I went on her LinkedIn profile and I saw graduated magna cum laude. And in the conversation we had later on, I said, so you're smart as a whip, aren't you? And she just looked at me. I said, magna, huh? And she just <laughs> grinned and was like, okay. Somebody finally noticed. <laughs> That's right. And, and just that little thing showed a stronger connection between us. And any kind of you know, hesitancy of being open was gone at that point. Absolutely. And again, it goes back to that finding that click, yes. right? And I, I'm going to share a story that's really off topic, but I think it does kind of relate to what you just said. I, I like to go off topic. Um, <laughs> but I was assigned a new client the other day. Or one of our business development managers brought him in. And um, I had just been emailing with him up to this point. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm going to call him. Because hmm. I, I need that personal connection so that's I right. know what kind of you know personality is going to do well there. And so I just pick up the phone. I call him. They actually answered, which shocked me because usually it's a message. But um, the lady that I was talking to, she was like, I was just responding to your email. Like, give me a minute. And I was like, oh, I'm not even calling about that. I just wanted to call and introduce myself, get to know you a little bit better, blah, blah, blah. We were on the phone for an hour. Wow. Yeah. Turns out I knew her husband. <coughs> I, I, wow. I was like, yeah, it was such a weird connection. But, I mean, it was just that little 
little twist right there yes. of changing it, making it personal rather yes. than all business, totally changed the relationship. And, and, and now I'm a trusted partner. There you go. And, and in today's world, our tendency, and I think this is especially true because I do have a couple of millennial daughters, that <laughs> people tend to be very thumb friendly yep. rather than voice friendly. And there are things that a voice can capture via the wonderful things we call ears on the side of our head that, that a thumbs and emojis don't do. Exactly. And, and just like you and I having this face-to-face -face conversation right now, Having a face-to-face, -face, there's nothing like it because you can watch someone's face and you can tell, are, are they really getting you? Or are they annoyed? Or, or, or are they kind of <laughs> just going, oh, where is my time going right now? I wish I could. I can't get this back. <laughs> yeah, oh, that kind of, and, 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 and that is so critical in making the connection. Yeah. So you wrote a recent article, another mm. one on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, and I want to kind of get to this because I think this is important. You are the message. What are they hearing from your visual presentation ah. about the importance of dressing for the occasion? I just had this happen today. And in our world, you know, what does a candidate's attire communicate about them? Everything. Okay. Everything. Now, again, when I first started my business, George Henley Presentations, 27, almost 28 years ago. That's insane. That's a while back. That's older than me. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that was not true. little baby. <laughs> <laughs> Things were very different in the world of business from a dress and attire perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and so things have really changed, I think, especially over the last 10 to 12, 15 years. I didn't go out in public almost ever without at least a, a sport coat and a shirt, you know, dress shirt on, but most of the time a tie too. Mm -hmm. I've got this big collection of ties wasting away in, right? in my closet. But you're bringing back the pocket square. I like there that. There you go. I'll see. I, 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 <laughs> that, that's sort of the shows, shows my age, I guess you might say. Oh, no, but, it's very popular right now. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm cool again. You're cool. <laughs> but, but all of those things, people unconsciously look at you and they judge you. Yep. They do. They, they, do. they just do. And, and it goes back to who we are as people from a, a, a fear perspective, a flight or fight perspective, and, and people judge from 30, 40, 50 yards or meters away. They look at you and they judge you. And they've already probably decided whether or not they're going to hire you. They don't know it. Yes, yes, and unfortunately, yes. Yes. And, and, and so they, they look at you and go, will she or he really fit into our culture? Mm -hmm. Will they be a part of the team and not stand out like a sore thumb? Will they blend and be someone who will be a, a real asset to the right. team? Or are they going to be someone that the team is going to look at and going, who is this person? A distraction. And, yes, exactly. Yeah. So attiring grooming is critical. And I just think today people can get a little bit too relaxed mm -hmm. in their attire and it can cause them problems down the road. I think so too. Um, one of the first questions that I ask candidates when I'm prepping them, what are you wearing tomorrow? Have you picked it out yet? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> and if they tell me flip-flops and jeans, I'm like, <laughs> no, try again. But I learned that the hard way because I actually had a candidate show up in jeans and flip-flops one time. Granted, it was a Friday, and she was like, well, I thought everybody had casual Friday, and I'm like, and she didn't get the job. Oh. And that was why. Oh. And so now I don't want anyone else that I'm sending 
on an interview not to have that piece of information. Yes. And I don't care if the, if the company is casual, you still, you dress above that. It's yes. business casual. I don't care. Yes. My rule of thumb very simply is this. At or slightly above the level of your audience. Yes. At or slightly above. If you walk in and all of a sudden you recognize, oh, okay, I'm overdressed, I can take this coat off, I can even roll up my sleeves, I can do a number of things that says, I'm dressing down to be more close to your right. place. I don't want to seem like I'm aloof, that I'm walking in with a tuxedo on, but at the same time I don't want to walk in and feel, oh, crud. Right, I'm maybe under, I should have worn the tuxedo. I'm huh. underdressed. Black tie. Bad, bad, bad decision at that Right. Point. So here's an interesting question. Let's flip it around. Mm. What does the interviewer's attire say about them oh, to the candidate? Mm, a lot. It says a lot because, again, it shows the candidate what he or she is potentially walking into. Mm -hmm. and, and that, again, is a value statement. And sometimes someone will recognize these people aren't my people. Mm -hmm. and, and just because they, they see the, the interviewer is for whatever reason, not dressed in such a way that they show that they like themselves or that they show an attitude of competence or that they show an attitude of, of I want to look my best on the job all the time. Right. So it goes both ways. It always goes both ways. And the interviewer then has to say, hey, I want that person to know this is how we look in the company. And if it was a casual Friday and they say, by the way, I'm wearing jeans today, but this is not our casual or this is not our norm. Right. So that kind of thing. So they set the tone and temperature for the company by how the interviewer dresses. I love it. I love it. I want to talk about something else. And let's talk about how important as you're giving speeches or as you're doing, you know, or even just in a conversation, mm. how important is eye contact and how does that help to build trust? Okay. It's very nice to be able to have someone as pleasant looking as you are to look at. Thanks. <laughs> but but bottom line, what we want to make sure we're doing is I use the word connection rather than contact. Okay. Because I can contact and look away. I can contact and look away. I don't want to contact and look away. I want to really make mm -hmm. a connection. The audience that I spoke to just day before yesterday, I told them, I said, look, when you're standing in front of a group of people, Find what I call the happy eyes. Ah, find the happy eyes. I like that. Find the happy eyes and connect and hold for four to six seconds. And then find another set of happy eyes and connect and hold for four to six seconds. And move around the audience. All eyes will not want to connect with you. Right. And you don't want to try to force that. Right. But if you can find three, four, five, six, seven people in a, in a larger audience that are willing and ready to really connect with you, then you can go back over and over again, and they will feel like, wow. He likes he, me. Yeah. He, he's talking directly to me. Exactly. That's a positive thing. I love it. Yeah. And, and, and just like, wow, okay. Now, I'm not looking at your eyes right now. I'm looking at the top of your head. Can you tell the difference? Yeah. Okay, I'm not looking at your eyes right now. I'm looking where? My mouth. Absolutely. So I'm telling people to look directly in the eyes, mm -hmm. not the top of the head, not the mouth, really to make that eye connection. Because as the philosophers say, oh, the, the eyes are the windows of the soul. soul. Yep. I love that eye connection. Totally stealing that from you. Um, but... I want to talk about it from a different direction, Good. too, okay. because I worked with a person that I don't know if he'd been told that you're supposed to always just stare, <laughs> but it was like this non-breaking stare, mm -hmm. no matter mm -hmm. 
And that's I know not people can't, not everybody can see me, and, but and, I'm just like, I finally had to say, would you stop? <laughs> I can't stop. Yeah. No more connection. Yeah. yeah. So and, and and so it has to be a comfortable thing. Yes. When, when you're looking at someone and you see them constantly look away, then it's probably you've pressed the too long too button. Too far. Yeah. And you've taken it too far. So usually four to six seconds, then another set of eyes. And if it's only one like person, that. then perhaps you just do a quick glance away. I'm looking over at the plants now. I'm back looking at your microphone now. I'm looking at your eyes again. Mm -hmm. But bottom line, I don't want to make that person feel like I'm trying to drill holes. And that's what eyes. I felt. It was so uncomfortable. And that's not good. Yeah. So what is your secret to keeping the audience engaged for the whole time? Well, there are a lot of different things. Do you remember the formula AIDA? A-I-D-A? No. Okay. Here's a again one of my little formulas it's this one's not mine this one's been out and about for a long time this is actually in the sales arena aida stands for attention interest desire action attention interest desire action and if you'll remember that when you stand in front of a person or a group of people mm -hmm. that you first have to grab their attention I was giving some critique to a lady who called me earlier today and said, hey, you heard me speak the other day. What about this and what about that? And so I gave her that little simple formula. Mm -hmm. But it comes back to making sure that you're quickly grabbing the person's attention or audience's attention. One of the greatest ways to do that is with a startling statement, a question, or in my opinion, probably the best, a story. Oh, I love to tell stories. And, and stories are so memorable mm -hmm. and unfortunately either not used or not used well. Gotcha. And if you can build stories into your presentation, then people go, oh, I remember the story you told me about. Yep. And, and telling stories into and through most of your presentation will make your presentation really stick out because those stories will have a memory peg, if you will, to stick on it. And in doing that, people go, well, she told this story, this story, this story, and this story. And it was interesting to how, see how she transitioned and linked them all together. They were different, but she made an incredible linking system between each story. So holding people's attention comes back to the content. And the content, if it's well thought through, can have a lot of really salient points, but simple stories that are memorable. Are you familiar with story brand, Donald Miller? Oh, sure. I listen to him every morning. <laughs> every morning. Don's my man. <laughs> so I have a lady that went through his certified okay. uh, training mm -hmm. with him there. Mm -hmm. And she's going to come on the podcast to talk about how important it is to tell that story oh. and why we do it. And I cannot wait. I think oh, yes. it's going to be amazing. Oh, yes. And she and really that relates directly to sales because she uses it to put her proposals together. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, because it's not cheap, I said, you know, is it worth it? And she goes, I've already made back four times what I paid. Wow. And it had only been like three months. That's a great testimonial right yeah. there. Holy mackerel. I know. So I'm really excited about her coming on the show as well. You should be. Um, one final question sure. before we get to the VIP questions. Sure. What are your thoughts on PowerPoint presentations while you're speaking? Not. <laughs> that's that's the general consensus I get from speakers. They're like, no. <laughs> no, you, you are the visual. And I, again, earlier this week, I saw this young lady, and she tried to do a PowerPoint, and the technology didn't work. Number one, she had a tiny screen. Yep. It was not easily seen by everybody in the room. Number two, her computer or something jammed up, and so she could not get the whole thing to work yep. properly. And, and I've seen that so many times, and I just go, oh, please, 
ditch the technology. Some of the greatest speakers of all time didn't have PowerPoint, and they learned how with their words, with their gestures, with their stories, to captivate yep. the audience, to hold them you know, in the palm of their hand, and to be able to put across the message to inform, inspire, influence, or entertain. And people go, I won't forget that. I think Zig Ziglar is the one that comes to mind the most, and he talked about how many times he went over his material. So always, like, hours and hours and hours and hours so that when he got up there, he was just talking to you. He, mm -hmm. he knew everything by heart, mm -hmm. by heart. Mm -hmm. And so, and if you go back and listen, the speeches aren't that different if he's doing a see you at the top. I mean, he's, he knows it that well. Sure. Sure. So, well, it's that he, he reached that place of what is known as an unconscious competent. Yep. And, and that just takes years of day in and day out discipline, going back to building your confidence, building your skills, and repetitiously not just getting strong, but staying strong over a period of time. It's one thing to win the Super Bowl. It's another thing to come back and win it a second time, then a third time. Right. Etc. Come on, Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s were such a great time. It's the only they? time I watched footballs when they were winning. <laughs> yeah. um, so how do people find you? How do they get in touch with you if they need to up their speaking skills? Well, or? I'm all over the place out there. Uh, let's see, post office walls. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can be found on the World Wide Web at www.thespeakersacademy.com. I'm out on LinkedIn. I'm uh, in Facebook. I'm a variety of places. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I, I love hearing from people that have questions and thoughts and comments because I get better as I'm questioned or people throw things my way and it causes me to think and really sometimes reconsider positions that I've held in the past. Well, I love all your knowledge and the fact that you're so willing to share it and to point people in the right directions and to even either coach them or find a coach for them. Mm. So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. Are you ready for my VIP questions? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Oops. Here we go. Lightning round. <laughs> I tried to do the Jeopardy theme song one day, but it did not come out like a Jeopardy theme song, so I'm not doing that again. Um, if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, mm. what three things or people would you take with you? I would take my Bible, I would take my wife, and I'd take the smartest scientist I could <laughs> find who knows how to exist and do well on the planet of Mars. There you go. I got an Elon Musk one time. That's pretty smart. There you go. <laughs> that was quick. Okay. Um, what's one thing you do every morning to set your day up for success? Mm. Reading, journaling, and some quiet time in prayer. Those things really repetitiously. And sometimes it's only a few minutes of, of one or the other, but I, I really try to get myself in a centered place, mm -hmm. in, a, in a place that I'm ready to take on whatever the day brings. I love that. That's very similar to my routine. There you so. go. Must work. <laughs> I was going to say, success meets yeah. success. Boom. All right, my final question. Mm -hmm. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, mm. what would the headline be? Is the news article a, a, uh, an obituary or is it just something that they're talking about me while I'm still alive? You decide. <laughs> wow. 
He lived to glorify God. Enough said. Drop that mic. <laughs> George, thank you so much for coming on and just talking to me today. I love it when I can like hold people down and make them talk to me for at least 30 minutes. So this has been a lot of fun. Good. And Good. I just have one last thing to say to sure. you. Sure. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> you are a VIP. Oh, I love it. Hey. For all the fans out there, there it is, <laughs> VIP. Very important presentation skills. There you go. Boom. <laughs> and that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.